from Millennial Dads, the societal anti-boy, anti-masculinity movement, primarily in public schools, started from an early age and continues today. Somehow, male children seem to have become their own worst enemy, and the only way society seems to want to solve this problem is to snuff out certain male characteristics and suppress them until they're gone. We've been battling this movement ever since we were little boys in grade school. The movement hasn't just been anti-boy, it has also been pro-girl. Nothing wrong with a pro-girl movement, in my opinion, but there are serious things wrong with an anti-boy movement being built upon the pro-girl movement. I'll get to that in a little bit. Remember, I don't believe that this is a zero-sum game. It is not mom versus dad, man versus woman, or boy versus girl. At least it shouldn't be. That is all stupid. I don't bring this up from a defeatist point of view, nor do I think us men need sympathy. What I think is that us men need to regain our masculinity and display it in full view as a healthy, righteous attribute that contributes to strong societies. After all, as history shows us, it has. I've talked about it many times on previous episodes. Dads, we need to teach our boys to be men. We need to teach them from an early age that what makes them a boy is not inherently evil or bad, but needs to be controlled. We need to keep our boys in check. I don't think that the solution to toxic masculinity is to destroy honorable masculinity. Now, before I move on too much into this topic, let me be clear about where I stand on this subject. I do believe that the natural man is an enemy to himself and an enemy to God and needs to be overcome through good choices. And that same power that can enable us to be an enemy to God and ourselves is the exact power that we use to become godly. Our natural tendencies need to be controlled. And I believe that a large part of our purpose here is to learn to control our natural tendencies. And yes, a boy or man who does not learn to master his natural tendencies will be a menace to himself and to society. That said, our existence is not an accident. And overcoming our natural tendencies, or in other words, learning to control ourselves, mean we can and should channel those tendencies towards goodness. And that goodness is manifest in amazing ways. An analogy I like to think of is a raging river. Raging rivers can destroy homes and kill people, but if channeled and dammed correctly, they can sustain life, provide sustenance, and produce energy. As dads, we've seen this energy firsthand as we mold our little ones through daily interactions and see them succeed and grow. We've also seen our failures when we give in to natural tendencies such as anger and lose our temper and say something we don't mean, or not say anything at all and we hurt the ones we love. If through these interactions we take deliberate and purposeful action to improve, then we are becoming godly. And for those of you who don't believe in God, when we better ourselves for the sake of others, we are transcending ourselves. Either way you look at it, this is beneficial for ourselves, others, and society. Now back to the point that I was making. Public schools are increasingly anti-boy, along with the broader culture. There is a movement to redefine what it means to be male, operating under the premise that the current male structure is inherently bad for society. This is so bizarre to me that society is not connecting the dots. 
there is a direct correlation between fatherlessness and the toxic masculinity that fatherlessness creates in those fatherless boys. Boys without fathers have unchecked masculinity. And yes, that natural and raw masculinity can certainly lead to a boy making terrible mistakes. Multiple studies back this up. Just listen to my previous episodes. I discuss a lot of them. The best thing for a boy is to have a father teach him how to control himself, how to channel that energy for the benefit of those around him. Society helped create the fatherlessness crisis by incentivizing the dissolution of families. And now they're trying to solve this problem with a top-down rewrite of what it means to be a man. All too convenient and insidious, if you ask me. They helped start the fire and have a monopoly on the water to put it out. This is such a fruit-of-the-poisonous-tree problem we have here, especially if the benefits of fatherhood are so well-documented and society just continues to ignore it. Since the mid-90s, society has been subtly, yet outrightly, attacking masculinity. So all the men who were young boys in the 90s, who are turning into the young fathers of today, have been told since they were boys that something is inherently wrong with them. They have been told that masculinity is inherently problematic. Well, masculinity is inherently tied to their identity considering, well, they're men. The message, then, is that something is just wrong with their existence. In a book by Christina Hoff Summers titled The War Against Boys, she provides commentary on what she considers to be the origin of this movement. She said, In 1996, Carol Gilligan, who was a leader in many movements that were pro-girl and author of a book in a different voice, announced the needs for a revolution in how we raise boys. The stakes are high, she said. She called for a new pedagogy to free boys from an errant masculinity that is endangering civilization. Gilligan asked us to focus on these questions. What if the equation of civilization with patriarchy were broken? What if boys did not psychologically disconnect from women and dissociate themselves from vital parts of relationships? Carol Gilligan's ideas come from earlier psychological theories promulgated by feminist psychoanalyst Nancy Chidoro. In her book, In a Different Voice, Gilligan parrots Chidoro's view that, quote, boys in defining themselves as masculine separate their mothers from themselves thus curtailing their primary love and sense of empathetic tie. First of all, I point out in a previous episode that the number one predictor of empathy in adults is the amount of paternal involvement. This was confirmed by a 26-year longitudinal study. So this point of view that boys defining themselves and identifying as masculine curtails primary love and a sense of empathetic tie is completely debunked. It is false. That said, if a boy decides to exert his masculinity in the absence of a father, he runs the risk of displaying protest masculinity, or what we would now call toxic masculinity. This is also well documented. The best way to curtail toxic masculinity is healthy masculinity. Also mentioned in a previous episode is this quote by David Blankenhorn from his book Fatherless America. Another common result of fatherlessness is hypermasculinity or what is frequently termed protest masculinity, the unrestricted, unmanhandled aggression and swagger of boys who must prove their manhood all by themselves without the help of fathers. 
The very premise that boys who identify as masculine, this premise is the reason they pushed for, and I quote, the conscious organization and activity of men and women who recognize that their interests lie in transforming the social organization of gender. See, they were on a mission to fundamentally change what it means to be a boy. They labeled certain normal tendencies of boys as a problem. If this type of thing doesn't create an identity crisis in and of itself, it's a miracle. You can do a lot of damage by telling somebody that something so innate as their boyness is a problem. Christina Hoff Summers continued about Carol Gilligan's theories about boys. Quote, it includes three claims. One, boys are being physically deformed and made sick by a traumatic forced separation from their mothers. Two, Seemingly healthy boys are cut off from their own feelings and damaged in their capacity to develop healthy relationships. And three, the well-being of society may depend on freeing boys from the culture of warriors and capitalism. Let's dig through each one of these. Her first claim is that boys are being forced to separate from their moms and that this has a negative effect on boys. Well, studies do support that two-parent homes are the best scenario to raise children. This is true. But at the time Christina Hoff Summers published this book, which is actually the second revision in 2013, there hadn't been any empirical studies that suggested that the pressure of cultural norms causes boys to separate from their mothers and thereby generate physical disorders. I have yet to see evidence of a traumatic, forced separation of boys from their mothers. Also, the prevailing social science on this topic suggests that boys are worse off when separated from their fathers, not their mothers. So, from where does she draw this conclusion? Further, with all of the evidence we have today about the effects of fatherlessness, it seems strange that such an idea would still permeate intellectual conversation. Daniel Patrick Monahan said, a community that allows a large number of young men to grow up in broken families, dominated by women, never acquiring any stable relationship to male authority, never acquiring any rational expectations about the future, that community asks for and gets chaos. He wrote this in 1956, and this same fact has been proven over and over again. In fact, I even mentioned in a recent episode that the scientific community has gone further than suggesting that there is simply a correlation between the problems children face due to fatherlessness and now agree that fatherlessness causes problems. Doesn't matter. This became a mainstream idea that has permeated social discourse over the last few decades. The young fathers of today grew up in an environment where the leading thinkers and policymakers questioned their masculine identities as not only potentially useless, but possibly a problem. And they continue today to preach that there is an inherent problem with our male identities. The second claim is that boys, due to their tendency toward masculinity, are cut off from their feelings and damaged in their capacity to develop healthy relationships. Of course, to save young boys from their tendency toward masculinity, the only possible answer here is to, as they stated earlier, transform the social organization of gender. Well, define healthy. If by healthy you mean that young boys grow and develop exactly as young girls, then yeah, they're different. And no, this doesn't justify a radical transformation in the social organization of gender. First of all, 
The scientific community has not even agreed on the nature versus nurture discussion, meaning we don't know how much of the traditional and stereotypical gender roles manifest because we're just born with it or if we're taught it. If we can't even agree on that, then why would we venture to think that a radical transformation of the social organization of gender is the right thing to do or would even be successful? Assigning a right or wrong or good or bad to gender stereotypes is bad business. Telling boys that their being a boy is wrong because they aren't more like girls is stupid, though sadly this is a popular thing to do. A paramount example of this transformation in the social organization of gender is elementary school. Let me quote a study from the University of Georgia. Why do girls get better grades in elementary school than boys, even when they perform worse on standardized tests? New research from the University of Georgia and Columbia University published in the current issue of the Journal of Human Resources suggests that it is because of their classroom behavior, which may lead teachers to assign girls higher grades than their male counterparts. The skill that matters the most in regards to how teachers graded their students is what we refer to as approaches toward learning, said Christopher Cornwell head of economics at the UGA Terry College of Business and one of the study's authors, you can think of approaches to learning as a rough measure of what a child's attitude toward school is. It includes six items that rate a child's attentiveness, task persistence, eagerness to learn, learning independence, flexibility, and organization. I think that anybody who's a parent of boys and girls can tell you that girls are more of all of that. I can't say for sure when this trend actually started, but simply put, elementary school boys were negatively impacted because they were boys. Boys are different, but they are expected not to be different from girls, apparently, and if they are, we're scoring them negatively. These researchers even found evidence of a grade bonus for boys with test scores and behaviors like their girl counterparts. They also confessed that these differences can have long-reaching effects. So, young millennial dads, this is us, and they haven't stopped. They're doing this to our boys now. We were the guinea pigs, and now they're finally starting to catch on to these trends and that they weren't actually a good idea. But there is still an agenda. Our boys are going to be different than our girls. These differences should be celebrated and channeled toward positive activities, not suppressed or castigated as wrong or sinful because they aren't inherently feminine. The third claim which attacks the culture of warriors and capitalism, is a weak argument in my opinion. When I look at the military, I see an organization who asks its members to sacrifice freedoms, dedicate time to learning skills, serving for ideals of freedom and honor, and being asked to be willing to risk their lives so others can continue to enjoy theirs. This type of selflessness is a beautiful thing, and I simply reject the critique of this warrior culture outright. The fact that boys are drawn to heroism and competition is not a condemnation of our boys. It is an admiration. It would be nice if we didn't need a culture of heroism, wouldn't it? Show me a time in history when bad people weren't doing bad things to other people and I'll gladly not die on this hill. Bottom line, as long as there are bad guys, there need to be good guys. Suggesting that we're going to fizzle this warrior and hero culture out of boys by forcing them to denounce masculinity and reduce the influence of good fathers is not only proven wrong, it's going to give us all the wrong results in the increase of hypermasculinity, which again is also well documented. In the end, we'll have a severe imbalance of harmless, weak, but well-intentioned men 
who were apparently able to suppress boyish tendencies powerless against the violence of those men who chose otherwise. You might say, well, the system just needs to get better, and when we perfect the system, we won't have these failures of men who are violent and horrible. Well, again, show me a perfect social system, and I'll admit that I'm wrong. Careful, though, because the closer social systems get to being perfect, the heavier the hand of oppression needed to enforce them. And who are generally the enforcers? Well, that's right. Boys. Enforcers can't be little cowering weak men. See the catch-22 here? It still holds true that the best social system to keep toxic masculinity at bay and protect our girls from their detriments is a nuclear family with a loving father and mother at the helm. None of this is to say that men and women cannot transcend the stereotypical, culturally normal gender roles. They do so all the time, and should. Men can be nurses and women can be engineers. All I'm saying is that a concerted effort to snuff out and squash the good aspects of masculinity is a bad idea. Instead, we should teach our men to channel their natural tendencies and energy into beneficial activities. Having boys and men capable of harm and violence is not a bad thing. Key word here is capable. Jordan Peterson said, If you're harmless, you're not virtuous. You're just harmless. You're like a rabbit. A rabbit isn't virtuous. It just can't do anything except get eaten. That's not virtuous. If you are a monster, and you do not act monstrously, then you're virtuous. He continued to say, A harmless man is not a good man. A good man is a very dangerous man who has that under voluntary control. Perhaps a better antidote to toxic masculinity is to praise and celebrate positive inclinations boys have and teach them to not be shy or bashful because they have them. Rather, they should be taught how to use their natural tendencies as virtuous men, meaning hone their skills, learn to keep them at bay, and only used if appropriate. I'm not going to teach my son that he is good or bad, based on whatever his natural tendencies are. But whatever they are, I'm going to teach him to keep them under control. I recall a video I watched a while back. A boy was being bullied, and the bully's friends were recording the incident. Apparently, this had been going on for a long time. And this boy, the victim, was cowering as the bully punched him and it was obvious that this victim did not want the confrontation. He was afraid. Finally, though, he had had enough, and he snapped. And he picked up this bully and threw him to the ground, and it was violent, and the bully got hurt and limped away. And I remember the reaction of a lot of people, and they said, how could this boy pick up this other boy and body slam him? I mean, it was just a little bit of teasing. Well, whatever you think of that scenario... I walk away from that seeing two lessons learned that day. One, the bully learned that he could be beat. He learned what happens when he's checked and beaten. Two, the boy who was being bullied learned that he could use his natural strength for good. He protected himself. His confidence probably increased after this. These boys worked it out. I personally had many occasions where my friends kept me in check my father, my brothers, my friends, they all taught me strong lessons about masculinity. I recall another video that hit the news recently. There was a hate crime in which a big man beat a small Asian woman in the street. He beat her in plain sight, and ironically, 
The store's security camera caught the whole thing on tape. And as shocking as the crime itself was the absence of any good men willing to stand up to that violence. Where were they? As I recall, I saw the security guard shut the door to the store. He avoided the situation while a big man kicked in the head of a small Asian woman right in front of him. In even another video I saw recently, there was one man beating another man in the street. He beat him unconscious. Instead of intervening, bystanders pulled out their phones and recorded the entire incident. Again, where are the good men? Who is standing up to this? Boys and girls in general are different. Raising our little boys to be little girls is a recipe for disaster. We should celebrate what makes us unique and learn to channel errant energy to good behaviors rather than suppress errant energy and never teach our boys how to deal with it when it arises. In closing, to the young dads of today, during our childhood to now, we probably witnessed the beginning stages of the concerted efforts to marginalize part of what makes up our identity, masculinity. This movement is full steam ahead in today's world. Dads and men are being marginalized, and we're being told the only way to be successful is to be more like girls. We should not allow this to happen. We should take pride in the things that make us uniquely a man and a dad. It's obvious that society needs us. I'm not advocating that every boy needs to be a fan of football, MMA fighting, guns, trucks, dodgeball, etc. I'm saying that these things aren't evil, and neither are the boys who love them. Just as much as it is not evil for boys to love the color pink and play with dolls, etc. Let's teach our boys that it is okay to be a boy. It is okay to have some of those natural tendencies and inclinations that are so stereotypically boy. Let's allow them to grow and foster their growth. Let's teach them appropriate ways to express their masculinity. Lastly, let's reject this message that says the only good boys are the boys who are indistinguishable from the little girls. From their earliest experiences in school, at least according to the study I quoted earlier, they are being measured against natural tendencies that favor girls. Thus, we're setting our boys up for failure by measuring them on the wrong scales.